The jet lag is setting in, girl. I took a nap. I had some sushi. I'm ready to do this. We're going to see how it goes. Okay. What happens if you fall asleep in the middle? <laughs> I guess you'll just, you'll be in charge. <laughs> Which, look out, everyone. Ellen's driving the car. I think it's fine, actually. I think it's probably better. I'm going to take a vote. I'm going to put a poll on Instagram. <laughs> Patricia, welcome back. We missed you. Oh, my God, you guys. I forgot to put sunscreen on my back and shoulders, and I'm paying the price. <laughs> She's paying the price, you guys. I was in Los Angeles for a week. We had such a good time. Oh, did you? I'm glad you came back. I ate vegan Mexican twice. Oh, don't tell anyone that. You know I don't trust vegans. <laughs> you guys, I don't know if you heard. We're doing a live show in Nashville, girl. Nashville. Today we haven't announced it, but by the time yes. this airs, yes. we so it's like our season. It's our secret. You guys, it's Wednesday, August 4th. It's at a place called Zadie's. Okay. We don't know anything about it. In Nashville? I think that's in the bottom somewhere. <laughs> it's in the bottom. Not the lake bottom. It's nope. not the lake bottom. Down there in the bottom. You guys, it's happening during Podcast Movement. It's not part of Podcast Movement, but we are going to go to Podcast Movement, and we thought, why not do a live show while we're there? I'm so excited. And, side note, yeah. I've never been to Nashville. Oh, I've been. It's really fun. You guys are going to love our live show. We keep talking about it. It's going to be insane. So again, Wednesday, August 4th at a place called Zany's. Just go to our website, click on the CS Live link to get your tickets or look at any of our social media. It'll be all over the place. Tell them to join the Patreon. Join the Patreon. <laughs> you're going to need to up your energy if you're going to keep up with me today. I'm great. I already told you I have 800 jokes for this episode. <laughs> you did call me to tell me that you could do this alone today. <laughs> he can go it alone. When you join the Patreon, you get three full bonus episodes every month. We are covering See No Evil. I have a proposition. Okay. Can we keep doing that for a few more episodes? Because I really like it. I know, a few more. And then we're going to take to the people and ask them what they want to see next. Yeah. And so there's already like over 15 full bonus episodes for you to download and binge right this second. There's also ad-free versions of these episodes. There's our monthly trivia where every month we bring a special guest. We have a thought for next month's special guest. Yeah. You have anything else to add? Fuck around and find out. (laughs) Here we go. All right, you guys, Disappeared Season 5, Episode 4, Wrong Side of the Tracks, tells the story of the disappearance of Jackie Markham. A feisty trucking company manager goes missing. She never came back home. She never answered her phone. She would have never just went off without calling somebody. Suspicion falls on both colleagues and friends. I could see it in her eyes. She was scared of him. Her children cannot fathom the disappearance of this devoted mother and grandmother. Imagine opening a house that's been closed up for four months and see a half-decorated Christmas tree with cobwebs. Hard to explain. Then a serial killer turns up in Jacksonville. He stalled females, followed them, then he would attack. And the case takes a darker turn. She had been stabbed numerous times. Could this be a clue to Jackie's fate? Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got something to say right at the top. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know how last episode Christopher sounded like he had a cold? Yeah. Or like a recent episode's past? In this episode, he sounds exhausted. <laughs> Poor Christopher sounds like he's whispering. He's either exhausted or terrified of waking up his roommate. Wow. Maybe he had an issue. Maybe there was a sound issue. Or maybe he was fucking tired of your bullshit. <laughs> I am exhausting. Yeah, I mean, you- <laughs> yeah. You are not wrong, my friend. Do you have anything funny to say yet? Yeah, I have tons of funny things to say. So- 
So we're at December 2000 in Jacksonville, Florida. Now listen. I got a question. What? (laughs) Sorry, it's just another joke. Do you think ID gets a discount if they do a certain number of episodes in Florida? Listen, there are outrageous people in every state, but Florida is the butt of every joke because it is a swamp. It is a swamp that they put a Dillard's on top of it and they called it a day. Florida Uh is like that weird uncle that you aren't quite sure who they're related to, but they show up to the family barbecues anyway. Sometimes I think I'm that uncle. Yeah, and they're like, who's he related to? Like, no clue. And they just like tell you how tall you're getting whether they creepily eat potato salad like super slow. Who's the tall, chubby one with the glasses with a real high voice that doesn't have a wife? Yeah, that's Uncle Patrick. Oh. Whose brother is he? (laughs) Exactly. Can you show me on the family tree? That's what Florida. I don't make the rules. I'm just here to tell you the stories. It's December 2000 in Jacksonville, Florida, and 51-year-old Jackie Markham is racing to finish work early. This is unusual, as she's totally committed to her job managing a trucking firm. She had a really good work ethic, worked really, really hard, almost too much, never really took vacations. Jackie's not just a workaholic. She's also very good at what she does. So we learn that 51-year-old Jackie Markham is rushing to finish work early this day. She's very committed to her job managing a trucking firm, to which I said, a trucking firm? Mm -hmm. Makes it sound like lawyers work there. Yeah, she's got things to do. She's got calls to make. But if it's in a firm, do you think she's a partner? Or do you think she's she a senior? She is a partner because a did, you, did you watch the episode? I did. did you watch it on 1.5? I actually did watch it on 1.5. It's so slow otherwise. You are a human <laughs> junk drawer. <laughs> Full of like dreidels and empty chins, like spare chins. Yeah, and like a tape measure <laughs> and like a bunch of soy sauce packets. It does answer a lot of questions about how I feel every you, day. <laughs> you watched it on 1.5 No, again? I watched it on 1.25. I want to paint a picture, everybody. Ellen is sitting in our state-of-the-art podcast yep. booth, which I worked all my life to get so I could have air conditioning, yeah. in my winter coat. Yeah. You guys, she's in my winter coat. Well, she left her ember wave at home because she didn't know it was going to be the goddamn Arctic in this box. I'm like Bernie Sanders at the inauguration with my like fuzzy mittens. So we learned that Jackie is a workaholic. And I thought, oh, Patrick, because you most certainly are that. But yeah. then uh-huh. Christopher goes on to say, and she's good at what she does. And I was like, oh, smoke too soon. Oh. <laughs> You're right, Ellen. I'm a real failure. Uh, oh, you are the best podcaster there's ever been. I love, too, that Christopher calls her a workaholic twice. I know. Christopher, you know what? He's a little tired. He's not feeling great this week. He's not here for her shit. No, Christopher's got some zingers this episode. So we learned from her daughter, Melissa, that Jackie had a real strong work ethic. She worked too much. She never took a vacation. And I said, how much trucking do they need to do in Jacksonville? She's coordinating all of it, you guys. Have you been to Jacksonville? (laughs) It's literally alligators, swamps, and trucks. I have Christopher calls her a workaholic, LOL. She was able to multitask. There's a lot that happens in the trucking business all at the same time. The phones are ringing, faxes are coming in, drivers need things, and she was able to take each one of those things and be the calm in the storm. But on this day, December 14th, Jackie leaves work early to do last-minute errands. She stops at a Kmart and at a drugstore to pick up prescriptions. It's part of her preparation 
for a much-anticipated holiday trip. There's also a man who's like, you guys, she was so great. She was a multitasker. She could handle the phones and the faxes. This guy's estimation of what women can accomplish isn't that high. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's because mostly we're just meant to stay in the kitchen. Yeah. So it, it is shocking when Any- we can do other things besides birth the babies and cook the casseroles. Anyone who's ever had your food will say, will ask you to kindly get out the kitchen. Wow. You know, just get out the kitchen. I didn't know you were coming at me that hard today. <laughs> I didn't know you brought your A game. Yeah. So it's good. It's good to see you back. <laughs> All I know, I was thinking today about our live shows, doing this live with you, coming for each other live in front of a seated audience is going to be something else. Get ready, America. We're coming for you. Hey, LA, I'm coming your way. <laughs> Patrick and Ellen have not announced any live shows in Los Angeles. We were all going to get together the week before Christmas, and we were going to celebrate her grandchildren's birthdays. If anything is more important to Jackie than her commitment to work, it's her family. Her work was her passion, but um, her children and her grandchildren meant the world to her. We find out that on December 14th, the reason she's in such a hurry to leave work is because she's got errands to do. Well, she's leaving. She's doing all the last minute errands you do when you're leaving to go on vacation. She was yeah. picking up prescriptions, last minute things to pack because she was going to see her grandkids for their birthday. I was really glad that nobody referred to them as her grandbabies. I really don't like that expression. It's a Southern thing. But grandbabies, I just don't like it's it. It's cute when Southern people say they're like, well, listen, I had four grandbabies. Nope. 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 Don't like it. So we learn, we, you know, they tell us how much her grandkids meant to her. And we learned that Jackie was a young grandmother. Oh my God. And I'm going to tell you why. Jackie is a young grandmother, having married at 15. She had three children by the time she was 20. I believe I was 12 when she divorced my, my dad. And um, several years later, she remarried and married Larry Markham. It was through Larry Markham, owner of a trucking firm, that Jackie learned the business. Christopher then just drops this little fact and says she was married at 15. I just went, excuse me? I just wrote, are we going to... Are we going to stop? Are we going to, we're just going to ignore that? We're just, Wait. we don't need to pull at every thread. I know. We're just going to. My favorite is that you wote that. You know what I mean? Thank you for whiting that down. I didn't write it. You said wote. Then I get right. Oh, so yeah. I just wote. Are we going to, are we going to stop? That's going to be another piece of the live show you guys are going to want to see. How do we rewind in real time? I know. <laughs> so. But she had three kids by the time she was 20. I know. And then we learned she eventually divorced that guy. And I said, because obviously, because who doesn't want to stay married to the guy you married in ninth grade? I know. <laughs> so she then married a man. Now, you got to take notes here because I, I have notes and I'm still confused. Wait. You're going to want to write this down. Grab a pen, grab a pen. Paper, grab the notes section of your phone. I'm surprised you're confused because I said, okay, here we are with another insane relationship thing that only makes sense to Ellen. Remember Ellen served her husband with divorce papers and then stayed living with him for 15 months? Yeah. Yeah. Here we go again. Yeah. Here we go again. Here I go again. All right. We learned that the guy that she married, the second guy, his name was Larry Markham. And I went, Larry? Where the fuck are you, girl? Where the fuck are you? We meet Larry. Oh, good. There you are. Oh, Larry's there. (laughs) It was a true family enterprise. But working together and living together was a little too intense for Jackie and Larry. Theirs was a complex relationship. We got a divorce and lived together for about another eight, nine years. Got married again. And we stayed married that time for about seven, eight years. In 1999, Jackie and Larry divorced again with regret. So we learned. 
no, that like Larry and Jackie get married, they get divorced, but they stayed living together for eight or nine years. Eight or nine. Don't breeze over that. Don't breeze over that. Eight <laughs> or nine years. I bet the sex was really good, and that's not a joke. Like, why else would you stay living together? I mean, listen, I am not saying I would ever marry one of my exes. I would rather swallow a pillow. Yeah. But I am I am saying that I can understand that level of chaos. Does anyone know what happened to Ellen? God, she either had to remarry Travis or eat that pillow. Guess what? She ate guess, the pillow. Guess what? And everyone goes, Services are on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's happy or dead. Yeah. Then, after living together for eight or nine years, they get married again. They stay married for eight or nine years. They divorce again. With regret. So, Christopher tells us they divorce with regret. And I said, you think you'd know everyone involved well enough by that point to make an informed decision yeah. with no regret. You know what I mean? I'm divorced with satisfaction. <laughs> Could you imagine? Totally. Married? You rated it four stars? I mean, truly. Yeah, like, wow. We'll will do it again. Yeah. Without question. <laughs> but then we learned, right before she went missing, she like floated the idea of maybe just getting married again. Yeah. And then to, Larry, back to Larry. Back, back to, Larry. to Larry. And Larry's like, I think we're a little too far along in the paperwork, sis. She's like, you're right. You know yeah. what? You're right. Let's go do our own thing. Forget, never you're mind. Right. I am going to say, working 70 hours a week at your trucking company, though. Yeah. Sorry, your trucking firm. <laughs> your trucking firm. By 2000, Jackie was rebuilding her life as a single woman. To begin, she bought a house of her own in Callahan, a small town north of Jacksonville. She was really excited about the house. She wanted to have a house where each of her three children would have their own bedroom. Jackie also started to kick up her heels, dating several men. I think she was enjoying dating around after she had gotten divorced. I don't think she was looking to, to get remarried. So in 2000, Jackie started to kind of like live her single lady dreams. She bought a new house in Callahan, which was just north of Jacksonville. And this time, Christopher tells us that she starts to kick up her heels. I know. I know. I'm begging everyone <laughs> to stop saying that. Stop trying to find a nice way to say that women just want to smash toe. Totally. Absolutely. Like, kick up her heels. Nah, yeah. she wanted to fuck. <laughs> it's fine. I know. It's it's not even fine. It's wonderful. It's great. In the words of Samantha Jones, it's just sex yeah. and it's fine. <laughs> you don't need to say anything about it. <laughs> but we also learned that she's like living on her own for the first time in her life because she got married when she was 15. 15. She in high school. Oh my God. Oh. She said, we learned that she wanted to have a house where each of her three, I added this part, grown ass children <laughs> could each have their own bedrooms. Her estimation of how long her children are going to be able to maintain their homes doesn't seem that great. Oh, it was so and sweet. Her, well, only one of her kids is here. Did you get this? Daughter Melissa yeah. and her husband are here. Yeah. Not interviewed together. Yeah. That tells us something. Yeah. And then the other two kids are not here. But they got all the ex-husbands and ex-boyfriends. <laughs> Just wait. We haven't even met them all. I know. So son-in-law Todd tells us she was not looking to get remarried. And I was like, same, Jackie girl. Same. I know. Same. I know. <laughs> I know. But when Jackie got married at 15, I'm not going to hold her accountable for her own bad choices. Yeah. No, Someone absolutely. else in this room can stay accountable. Huh. <laughs> Say more. I mean, I would have married him too, no question. Uh-huh. Okay. Great. <laughs> this is this is going great today. I mean, I mean, I could get remarried if I wanted to. To him? No, to anyone. No question. Yeah. I mean, I can like, you know, walk outside and catch a dick in a second. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Right. Just like but, they like, fall from the sky. My guess is next time they're leaving you, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so then Christopher says, 
what one of Jackie's various boyfriends. I don't like your tone, Christopher. I love you, but I don't I, like your tone. Was around the most, and his name was Archie Carroll. To which I said, Archie, where the fuck are you, girl? And then I said, Oh, good, he's right Archie's here. Archie's here. Archie's here. Yeah. Of Jackie's various boyfriends. The one who seemed to be around the most was Archie Carroll. She's a smart person. She's fun to be around. And she didn't need you to do things for her, you know. She was self-sufficient. And it was it was refreshing, to say the least, to meet someone with that kind of drive and character. And it was nice. She was a heck of a girl. But then we learned that Archie now describes Jackie as very self-sufficient. It was refreshing, to say the least. Archie thinks most women need him to do things yeah. for them. He's but not a, her. She's no. a very strong, self-sufficient woman. Not like the rest of them. Not like the rest of those needy bitches. She was a heck of a girl. <laughs> Did you write that down? She was a heck of a girl. Yeah, heck of a girl, Archie. The thing about Archie that is so annoying, they started dating in early 2000, and he says he quickly became aware that she was in no way, shape, or form in a place for a relationship. So I just decided Same. she needed a good friend, and so I decided to be that. Archie is making it sound like he decided that the friend zone was where he should go. Right. Like it was up to him. You know what I mean? Right. Archie, not what happened, girl. I've seen that picture of you, Archie. I. It was at that time I couldn't decide if Archie was a down bitch, like the first watch through the episode. I don't think Archie's a down bitch. I, Archie is here, and we're going to learn, like, he is eventually suspected in this disappearance. I don't trust Archie as far as I could throw him, which is not far. I did in the beginning. I know, But me maybe too. that's why. I don't know. You know know what, though? ID set us up because the first time we hear of Archie, we see this photo of him, and he looks like a real dirtbag in the photo. And then we meet him, and he's much softer and kinder looking, you know? Yes. And so I was like, oh, okay, like maybe he's going to be a good guy. And if his story is true, then he's a really good guy. I just don't know when I think his story is true. Also, I don't know how much audio of his we're going to play, but I can't always understand what he's saying. That goes for most people in ID shows. Yeah. (laughs) We'll, We'll get to that later. But Jackie and Archie were still spending a lot of time together. They put up a Christmas tree at Jackie's on Tuesday, December 12th, two days before she left work early to prepare for her family gathering. We set it up and we messed with that, I don't know, till 10-ish that night and I left. And she called me the next evening and asked me, are you coming over? They don't get together the next day, but instead make a date for Thursday night. So it's December 12th, and Archie and Jackie are putting up their Christmas tree together. Now, this is two days before she went missing. And again, they're just kind of like FWB. At they're this point. definitely doing it, right? Like, they're definitely both Did in you it hear for my FWB? I don't know what that stands for. Friends with benefits. Oh, you, but you, you couldn't just say that because it was too, what, shocking? That's like a dating app thing. Oh. Looking for FWB. What's a dating app? Uh, yeah. I wouldn't know because my marriage worked out. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Do you ever say something like so foul? Like you think to yourself, like, I, I need to fucking chill out. No, but I do say things so foul that sometimes I think, was it funny enough to warrant Right, the right. Was the payoff great <laughs> yeah. enough? No, I just want to know that your filter's on. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know? it's, on, it's, it's not working, yeah. but it's turned great. on. Love you for that. <laughs> so in the spirit of mixed messages, which you're completely allowed to do, Jackie yeah. girl, yeah. she called Archie the next day and was like, you coming over? Because 
because like, they only half decorated the Christmas tree. Right. So it's like it's December 12th. They're putting up the tree. They would quote work on it till 10 p.m. and then stop. Yeah. Now I will go on record and say I every year I look forward to putting up our Christmas tree until the day we're doing it. Right. Steve and I always have a fight. We had a huge fight last year because I was not satisfied with the lights. Huh. <laughs> I, know. I love putting up my tree. No, we I do too. But it always something always goes wrong. So maybe they had a like a Stephen Patrick style argument and he stormed out and we're not getting that part of the story. Right, but also Jackie was like, I don't want you here all the time. Right. Like, we can play, you know, hide the salams if sure. you want, but yeah. like, I want you to leave and the next day she's like, you coming over? He's like, you just told me that like, I wasn't supposed to come over every day, but yeah, I'll come over on Thursday. <laughs> so, they make plans for Thursday. Now it's December 14th, 2000 in Callahan, Florida at 7.05 p.m. And he's like, just leaving his house to go to her house and he gets a really strange call from Jackie. Just as Archie is heading out, he says he gets a bizarre phone call from Jackie. She was talking very different, like she was under some duress or maybe a little fear or something. She said, well, uh, you remember a friend of mine I mentioned works over in town, CSX Railroad, Richard? I said, I guess I heard you mention him before. She said, well, he's here drinking and he's drunk, so don't come over. And he says she sounded like she was under duress, which was a very weird way of saying it, I thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? He just said she sounded weird. And then on the other line, she said, remember that guy, Richard, I was telling you about? And Archie was like, yeah, I guess I heard you mention him. And I was like, no, you didn't, Archie. No. You didn't hear it. You didn't, because you don't listen. No. Because men don't listen. (laughs) You heard her say something, and then you're just agreeing with it. You don't listen. You don't know what the fuck she's talking about. Just say that. This is not a joke. I do that to you all the time. I'm like, what's the way to make this? and faster. Because <laughs> your stories are, are so funny. I don't know. Amazing. Don't interesting. Know. I've also learned when you ask me if I've seen your social media to just say yes. Because you take it real personal when I haven't mm-hmm. looked at your Instagram today. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. 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 You mean like care about my life in the slightest? And I show that to you by looking at your Instagram. So that's how we show that we care about each other. Yeah. She's needy. Right. <laughs> what? I don't understand what's so confusing about that. And single men. Single and looking for takers. <laughs> So now she says to Archie, that guy Richard, he's here and he's hammered. And, like, he's drinking, don't come here. And I was like, that seems, I don't know. The opposite of what you should do. This guy is hammered. He's acting weird and making me uncomfortable. Come here. Come here now. I said, Archie, girl, you better fucking get over there. And I went, oh, good, he does. Yeah. (laughs) Archie says both the conversation and the tone of Jackie's voice are disturbing. And then the phone went dead. And right then, just started getting this weird feeling. She, she wasn't talking right. Something just don't feel good here. I came inside for just a minute, and I got in my car, and I went over there. And when I got there, her car's there, and no Jackie. So he gets there, and her car is there, but she is not there. Her purse and her are gone. This is where Archie starts to turn for me. Yeah. Because I'm like, he gets his little man feelings hurt, and he calls her daughter, Melissa, and Todd, the two that are here with us for the interview, and he's like, your mother has run off with Richard. First of all, call the cops. Yeah. Or what the, or don't call anyone. If that's what you really think happened, girl, just, you're shit out of luck. Yeah. You're going to call and complain to the daughter? Yeah. Remember 10 minutes ago when you said she sounded terrified? Call the police. Yeah. If the order of events that she called you sounded scared, said this weird guy is here hammered at my house, you get there and she's gone, but her car is there? Right. So remember, she's meant to go visit her grandbabies. No, don't say, she didn't say it. You don't, you just I just wanted to piss you off. (laughs) She's meant to go visit her grandkids the next day. 
day. Yeah. So Melissa and Todd are like, I mean, let's just like see if she shows up here tomorrow. Like they're not worried. Which is very weird. Yeah. This is one of those situations where no one's fucking worried. So Archie waits at Jackie's house. Jackie never comes back. According to Archie. According to Archie, he spends all night at Jackie's house. Yeah. And in the morning, he makes a call to all of her kids and her work. And no one had heard from her. So he then calls that Friday morning, December 15th, and reports her missing. But the thing about him calling work, it was that when he called work and she wasn't there, that was when he knew that something was really wrong because she'd never missed work. And I just went, can we normalize work not being the thing <laughs> that when they don't show up for, you know something's really wrong? We hear this in these episodes so often. Yeah. That like, you know, like uh, she didn't pick up the kids from daycare. She didn't see her husband for four days, but when she didn't show up to work, we knew something was, she loved her job. So like you guys, work less, see your family more. Maybe I'm just screaming to myself because I haven't had therapy in yeah, two weeks. Projecting. Okay. Yeah. I think that I just... I'm, I'm here to help you work through this in front of all our yeah. friends and family. About the same time, one of Jackie's colleagues alerts Jackie's daughter, Melissa, in Central Florida. I receive a phone call from one of her colleagues at work that said that she didn't show up for work. This news fills Melissa with dread. It just hit my heart. I was terrified because she never missed a day of work in her life. And I knew something was wrong. So as Archie is calling the cops, like at the same moment, somebody from Jackie's work is calling daughter Melissa saying like, by the way, girl, your mom hasn't come in. Everyone knows she loves her job more than her kids. She's not here. Something's you real wrong. are perpetuating <laughs> that narrative. Go on. I mean, how many of these like straight guys in these episodes do I give boyfriends? Anytime anybody in one of these episodes has a roommate, gay. Yeah. <laughs> gay. Gay and snuggling. Just sweeping broad strokes. Gay and snuggling. Where's that t-shirt? So Todd and Jackie's son, Scott, jump on a plane. They jump on a plane to get to wherever the hell she lives. And then we learn that Melissa and Sister Lisa follow in a car. To which I said, was the plane full? Was the plane full, girl? (laughs) They lived closer, you sociopath. (laughs) No, Melissa is Todd's husband. They live in the same place, I think. I don't know their life. I don't know. But I'm just just saying, like, the men got to fly and the women had to drive. What's happening? I I, I can just see, like, Todd and Scott throwing the keys at the women as they run onto the plane. Yeah, they're like, we got the the plane. You bitches drive. (laughs) But she's my mother, though. You married into this family. I'm a man. I know how to take care of business. But she's my actual mother. Investigators are already there when Jackie's son-in-law, Todd, arrives with her son, Scott. We went straight to her house, and the detectives were just starting to close the house up. Officials from the Nassau County Sheriff's Office have already declared the house a crime scene. They did allow us to go in and look around and not touch anything, but they wanted to see if we could see if anything was out of place. So the men, this sounds horrible. The men get to the house just as <laughs> the men get to the house first, just as they're about to make it a crime scene. Yeah. And they just in the nick of time let the sons go in just to have a look around. And the home is impeccable. But I've never seen this before. We're like, the, we don't know if anything's happened in the home, yet the cops are there and sealing it off as a crime scene. I've never heard of that. The rules change. I know. They make up the rules as they go along. That is not shocking. But I am happy that someone 
someone heeded my advice because Jackie's place is spotless. So she treated her home like it was a crime scene. Sure, but the only thing that was unusual was in the backyard, there were tire tracks driving into the woods. And son-in-law Todd goes, they weren't really sure what that was from. And I said, did you want to investigate? Did we? The lady's missing. The house is clean. There are tire tracks in the backyard. Anyone want to come look at this? <laughs> no, we're, we're making this a crime scene. <laughs> yeah, but I think I got something of interest. No, no, crime scene. We're putting the tape up. But there we're... are tire tracks driving into the woods. Yeah, we got we got this tape. See this tape? It's the yellow. We got to hang it but around. But the, the lady's missing. Nobody's seen her. There's tire tracks driving into the woods. I don't think you're listening. Nobody paid attention. Soon afterward, Jackie's daughters Melissa and Lisa arrive. Too late to enter their mother's house. My sister and I didn't get to go in, and which would have been good if we did. From a woman's perspective, we may have seen something that could have alerted us. Her car was in the garage. Um, the prescriptions were on her front seat. The presence of Jackie's car and the bag of prescriptions on the front seat are intriguing to investigators. They wonder if someone was in the garage when she pulled in. What is weird is that they let the men go through the house. Yeah. Because, bitch, women pay attention to shit. So, so why did they allow the men to walk through? I mean, I can't remember yeah. where I put my fucking keys, but I can remember four Thanksgivings ago when I wore a particular dress. Like, women notice shit. Men don't notice anything. And they, they say as much. Melissa's like, you know, using my women's eyes or whatever she says, I might have noticed something that the men might have missed. I was a little bit offended at first, then I thought, yeah, no, that makes sense. No, yeah, because no, that makes sense. we notice everything. Even when we pretend not to notice something, we're storing that in the back of our head for when we need it because oh, we notice it. Because we notice healthy. everything. Sorry, how many relationships have you been through? <laughs> I can notice an emotional change uh-huh. in a text message. Yeah, it is true that like if I pee in your guest bathroom and you're in the kitchen and I don't put the toilet seat down, you know. Yeah. You just know. Yeah. And you basically take me back there and wipe my nose in it. You know what I mean? Wait, no, actually really tell them what I do. <laughs> she will literally no smile on her like I like she just shames you in the middle of the living room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what you should have done? What? Put the fucking toilet seat down. <laughs> Leave things the way you found it. It's called respect. Some night I'm going to sneak into your house where you're sleeping and put up all the toilet seats and leave. But anyway, all to say, the men walk through. They're like, yeah, everything but those tire marks seem good. Does anyone want to talk about the tire marks again or no? No? We're just going to walk around the house once or twice? And so they notice that her car is still in the garage with the prescriptions on the front seat. And they're thinking, this is terrifying. And this happened in a recent Patreon episode. They're thinking that maybe she came home and there was somebody in her garage that, like, kidnapped her from the garage. Like, she, you know, it happened so quickly she didn't, like, take her prescriptions with her. So this is where we meet Sheriff Tom. Now, Sheriff Tommy really wants you to know, even though he's the sheriff now, he was not the sheriff at the time that this incident happened. He was just an officer. He wasn't the sheriff. But because of the relatively undisturbed appearance of Jackie's house, the detective in charge doesn't think anything violent happened there. Sheriff Seagraves, who was not sheriff at the time, explains. Not seeing any. Uh, thing that led him to believe that she was taken from the residence against her will uh, played a huge part in the processing of the scene. Uh, the scene wasn't processed. You know, it wasn't uh, fingerprinted like it should have been. Because here's the thing. 
everybody, all the family members, the guys who got to take the plane, the women who had to drive the 11 hours, <laughs> and all the cops think that this, like, their foul play happened here. Right. But this is my new pet peeve. This is my new, like, we lived in a town where, like, nobody locked the doors. Right. Everyone thinks that the foul play happened here, but they don't really investigate it because there's no evidence of a struggle at the crime scene. Right. To which I said, we all got to start carrying around vases and plates in our yeah. purses <laughs> so we can smash them on the ground as we're being zip-tied into a fucking carpet and thrown in the back of a van. You guys, you got to kick something over or nobody's looking for you. Yeah. You could write on the door, I have been kidnapped, but unless there's a turned over coffee table, Nobody. you're shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah. Get comfy in that rug. They're not coming. Those tire marks, nobody has a truck like that. No, no struggle. Write it down. No struggle. Can you ride it? I'm watching you ride it right there now. There might not be a struggle, but there's no way to get to the backyard except through the woods. <laughs> Yeah, no. no. Just write it down. We're not going to so, look for her. The thing that Sheriff Tommy wants us to know uh, is that the house was not processed like a crime scene. Right. Not so much as fingerprinted. I know. Remember in episode one, we offered to make fingerprinting kits and just give them to people? Just do it. Yeah. You know what? It doesn't take that long. Just fingerprint everything. Yeah. I mean, is so, but Sheriff Tommy's like, nah, I wasn't, I wasn't a sheriff. Right. Ever, can you write that down? Can you also? I want to say it on the camera yeah. so people at home know. <laughs> so the family starts driving all over Jacksonville, and this actually broke my heart. I know. They said we were checking dumpsters. We were opening garbage bags. And, like, the Florida heat, you guys, that's disgusting no matter what you're looking for. I mean, I get it. You got The yeah. reality of it, just the zero to reality of yeah. maybe she's dead in a dumpster. But they Plus, said that. Those poor women had been driving for 11 hours. Those guys got to sleep on the plane. <laughs> they drove home to get to their selfish ass husbands. That's what happened. That weekend, the next day, basically, we um, started to print out missing person flyers. And we went around and stuffed them in all the mailboxes in the entire neighborhood that she lived in. The family then gives investigators Jackie's cell phone and banking records. We were able to get a hold of her phone records by going online, and there was no, no additional activity on the phone or credit cards. They print out flyers, they paper the neighborhood, they then get the banking and phone records. Which, Nothing is suspicious. It made me be like, how did they just get the banking and phone records? I guess it's like smart to like put your kids on your bank account and your phone shit in case you go missing, they can get it quickly and easily. So we meet Lieutenant Thomas Reeves and he's the investigator on the case. And he says they comb her phone and they realize that the last call made was at 6.31 p.m. She had, okay, well, mm, here we go. She had <laughs> called Archie to pick up her prescription. Her boyfriend, Archie Carroll, told police that she called him to say she was running late and asked him to pick up her prescriptions at a drugstore. And he says, well, you know, it's only 631. Uh, they don't close till 7. You've got plenty of time to get there. Oh now, at this point, I don't think Archie is a really bad guy. Yeah. But she called Archie and she's like, hey, I'm just running these errands yeah. before. Uh, you know, I got to get on the plane tomorrow. Could you do me a huge favor and go to the Eckerd's and just pick <laughs> up my prescriptions? And he goes, mm. well, you know, it it closes at 7. <laughs> you got plenty of time. If you go 70. I was like, Archie, <laughs> Archie I know. Archie's an emotional wreck. I would feel like you would feel some kinship to him. Yeah, absolutely. But I, uh, my love language is acts of service. I, I would know. absolutely oh, go and get those true. prescriptions. Listeners, if you ever need a kidney, DM Ellen. She will give you one. She'll, Ellen will be out of kidneys faster than I'm out of vodka on a Friday night. <laughs> also, in that whole bit about the prescriptions, Christopher insists on calling Archie her 
her boyfriend, even though she is very clear that they are just F. WB, is that what you say? Uh, friends is that what you weird yeah, she, old single people say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she set boundaries and Christopher is yeah. crossing them. Frankly, Christopher's on my last nerve in this episode. Yeah. Christopher? So now we're sort of going back to that call that Jackie made to Archie about that guy, Richard. Remember that whole thing where like, yeah. he, like she called him and she sounded like she was under duress right, or whatever? Right, Archie Carroll's account of Jackie's last phone call to him implicates a man named Richard. Archie says Jackie told him Richard had arrived drunk at her house that night. Investigators learn that Jackie did know a man by that name. She seemed to be, you know, pretty interested in him and um, talked to Todd and I about it. Jackie had also confided in her friend Nelda Lee. She told me that she had went out with Richard. And so I asked her if she'd be seeing him again. And she said, yes, that she would like to see him. So we meet best friend Nelda. And <gasps> Nelda? Nelda's only here to spill the tea. Nelda's <laughs> here to break girl code and tell her what Jack, that Jackie has been dating this guy, Richard. And she was kind of into him. So yeah. I was like, I mean, okay, Nelda, you don't need to tell all the family secrets, girl. I love Nelda. But we also learn again, little Archie got his little fucking man feelings hurt again on the 4th of July. Because on the yeah. 4th of July, Jackie had a apparently lied to him and said that she was spending the afternoon with her girlfriends, but he found out because he was, quote, checking up on her. Right. Words used by Christopher, checking up on her. Right. He followed her. Yeah. That's stalking. He stalked her to where she went and found out that she had spent the day with Richard. Right. And Archie, listen, it's just, it's not going well for you, hun. It's no. really, really not. <laughs> she specifically said she didn't want to be your girlfriend. We now learn that this guy, Richard, is 70 years old and he's got a couple of bum eyes. The guy isn't even allowed to drive at night. To which I said, well, now I'm starting to feel like Archie is the catch. Yeah. <laughs> and so we learned they bring this guy Richard downtown for a voice stress test. Yeah, I'd never heard of this. The voice stress analyzer this is a test that determines, you know, if somebody's being truthful. The polygraph does it through a heart rate pulse and the other does it through voice analysis. Richard passes the voice stress test. This result coupled with his rock-solid alibi, eliminates him as a suspect. Investigators then wonder, could Archie have been lying about the phone call? Richard is given all of the voice tests and the polygraph tests, and Richard passes it. And along with his airtight alibi, Richard is eliminated as a suspect. And has to be driven to and from the station because he can't fucking see. Leave the guy alone. God so, damn it. I guess Archie was lying about that call. Well, or the, here's was the thing. she lying about the call? Was somebody there telling her to make up a story? But wait, then we learn that Archie has a roommate. We learn that Archie has a roommate, which means according to me earlier in the episode, he's probably gay. Maybe he's a bisexual and he, they have an open relationship and his roommate Joffrey and he have a lovely, who knows? So now you're defending him. They got a cockatoo. <laughs> <laughs> they got, the two of them have a cockatoo. Okay. <laughs> you're super proud of that one, aren't you? I'm going to give it to you. So now we're back to friend Nelda and I just went, Jackie's friend Nelda didn't like him. Jackie's friend Nelda Lee tells investigators Archie seemed more possessive than he's willing to admit. She describes some behavior she witnessed during a visit to Jackie a week before she disappeared. And he just came in like he owned the place and sat down beside her and just took over the conversation. He made some remarks that I thought wasn't appropriate. I mean, he was very possessive of her. We're back to Archie now. So it's like Richard's been ruled out as a suspect. So maybe it was Archie. And everyone is talking about how possessive Wait, Archie so was. Wait, so Nelda's basically like, I never liked Archie. 
you rolling? You recording? Here I go. Here's why I never liked him. And she gives us a laundry list of all the yeah. problems she has with Archie. And same with Melissa, the daughter. Melissa also didn't like him. They spent a Thanksgiving together. Melissa says that, like, her mom couldn't walk into a se- another room without him following yeah. her. And even the cops were looking at him, and they are saying that some of Archie's behavior after she went missing was suspicious. So, for example, remember, according to Archie, he spent the whole night, like, staying at her house the right. night that he couldn't get in touch with her. So then, like, according to the police, Archie goes to a next-door neighbor, a different Richard, and who's also, he's a neighbor, but also, like, a police officer. Right. And he's like, Richard, girl, I don't know where my friend Jackie is. Could you come into the house and, like, tell me if you see anything suspicious? Right. And the cops are like, why would he need that if he had been there all night? But then, like, Archie's like, I don't know, another set of eyes? That totally makes sense to me, too. That actually did make sense. Like, his story, like, let's say he's totally innocent and totally freaking out. Yeah. And he's like, do you see something I don't? Like, I kind of get that. They were making it seem like that was super suspicious, and I actually thought that made sense. I'm definitely that bitch that would call you before 911 if I walked into my house and there was a body in there. Yeah, absolutely. They'd be like, why? And then, can you imagine that conspiracy theory? Like, true crime comedy podcasters. Conspire <laughs> to murder a man, and I'm like, Ella, girl, there's yeah, a body. Yeah. Like, I would definitely call you first. To dispel mounting suspicion, Archie Carroll agrees to take the voice stress analysis test. When he doesn't pass, the initial investigator is convinced he's got his man. He asks Archie if he can search the trunk of his car. Archie says, sure. So Archie takes this voice stress test. He fucking fails. Then they ask him if they can search the trunk of his car. The carpet, I guess cars have carpet in the trunk or whatever. That's gone. They're like, girl, where's the carpet? He's like, I don't know. I take it out all the time. And by the way, if there's any blood on it, I swear it's a turkey. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) sure, my guy. Yeah. Here's the thing, because this is the other thing that drives me crazy. The cops are like, so he took the test and he failed. Then they tell us that, oh, by the way, these tests are completely unreliable. They're like a polygraph. They can never be used in a court of law so they're bullshit anyway he was super cooperative let them look in in his trunk and then they're like and then after that he just stopped cooperating and i was like bitch he took your stupid test he let you see the trunk of his car he brought the rug in to show you like later and now like you're saying he's being uncooperative because you couldn't get him to to admit to a murder he didn't do yeah very uncooperative but i just loved how he was like uh did you find blood in there because it's turkey blood it's not (laughs) it's not human blood it's no one's blood it's no one's blood it's it's no no, no reason to test it or anything no 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 no, no, no reason to test it, it's but just it's turkeys, turkey blood. But actually, they checked the rug, and the DNA test cleared. It was not human blood. And I'm not saying he didn't do it. I'm not saying he wasn't a, a jerk or a creep or whatever. But, like, please stop calling people uncooperative when they, like, just don't do the things that they legally don't have to do. Exactly. When they have cooperated in other ways. Yeah. Stop saying uncoop. So, at this point, the only thing they're going by is everyone saying he's just not a great boyfriend. And I was like, I'm not taking this dude's side because yeah. we're going to find out this is unsolved. But if we arrested every dude that just wasn't a great boyfriend, <laughs> we would have a bigger overpopulation in our jails than we already do. All the straight men on Broadway would yeah. be in jail because they dated like, you. Come here. You know what she did. Turn around. You know what she did. Let's go. Come on. Don't make this hard on you. We're, we're, going, we're going down the station. I just love on like the first date, the straight guy's like, I'm probably going to go to jail, but God damn it, she's hot. <laughs> It's not going to work out for either of us in different ways. <laughs> You're more legal, mine yeah. more emotional. Yeah, so- but let's go down this, this path of crazy together, shall we? For about six months. Then I'll call it a day. 
So now it's Tuesday, December 19th, 2000. It's 4 o'clock. It's five days after Jackie disappeared, and her purse turns up. It's like laying in a ditch in this really, like, they call it a not good area of Jacksonville. And they're saying it looked like it was placed there so that it would be found. And then they say, oh, my God, they only find one set of fingerprints on the purse, and it's the guy who found it in the ditch. To which I said, so can we look into that guy? <laughs> can we get, Can you give him a voice dress test and I'll see the rugs in his fucking trunk? You know what? There's only one set of fingerprints on it. Let's not look into him, though. You know what? It's the guy that found the purse. He knew where the purse was. Yeah. yeah, probably didn't do it. No, he didn't do it. Then, just a few days into the new year, a shocking development. A Nassau County deputy finds the body of a woman in a ditch. One of our patrol officers was going through a wooded area early one morning, and here's, a, here's something laying in a ditch over here. And uh, it's, it's got a carpet over it. And he calls uh, the office here and tells them that he's, he's found a dead person. So it's January 5th, 2001 in Yulee, Florida? Is that- My auto text knew that. Is I it- said Yulee, Florida, yeah. Is that how you say it? That is how I say it. Well, I don't know if that's how it's said. Bring on the DMs. <laughs> um- Appalachian. <laughs> and a woman's body is found in a wooded area with a carpet over it. And the body is ID'd as a sex worker named Katrina Benson. And this story is brutal. Tracing Benson's last movements, Detective Reed learns that while driving around Jacksonville, she had picked up a man shortly before her death. The man and the car are both missing. The Miami Police Department contacted our office and said they had impounded that car in Miami. Reeves learns the man driving the car has been arrested for shoplifting. The shoplifter is eventually identified as Ross Lane Emerson, a man with an extensive criminal record. So the murderer was identified as a man by the name of Ross Emerson. This guy has a major, major criminal record. He's honestly spent most of his adult life in jail. He was a rapist and a thief and now a murderer. So he gets like 60 years in jail. They let him out after 15 with an ankle bracelet, which he cuts off. I mean, first of all, never give a man jewelry. They're unappreciative. (laughs) Number one, that's just a life lesson Uh I'm here to give you all. But why did they let him the fuck? out of prison. I mean, seven rapes, you like, guys. You like, you just draw, uh, you know what? 15 years, he seems, he seems better now. <laughs> what? From 65 to I 15? Know. I know. And so he's charged with the murder of Katrina Benson and then starts singing like a fucking canary. Yeah. He's like, oh, not only did I kill her, here's another murder I did. He draws a map of the Very area. Very Israel Keys, yeah. right? Like, then, he's like, let me, show, let me show you this. Like, yeah. proud and weird and totally sociopathic. And they put him in a car to drive him around Jacksonville to, like, point out his murder sites. He tells them where he lived and they're like, that's like two blocks from where that purse was found. Right. Emerson had been sleeping in a railroad car, which was about four five blocks away. I did some checking to find out to make sure that Emerson was in Jacksonville at that time, and he was. Disturbingly, the day Jackie went missing, Emerson was working as a day laborer in Callahan, Jackie's hometown. And the name that he gave them at the time he signed up for the work was uh, Richard Hubbard. And the name he had used that day on the job site was Richard Hubbard. And remember, she had said to Archie on the phone, Richard is here and he's hammered. Right. 
So basically, like, the cop was like, well, maybe she was trying to say this, like, serial killer going by the name Richard Harper was the name that she said to Archie. And Archie's like, no, she said that other Richard guy, the old blind guy I mean, that she yeah. wanted to be with instead of me. That's who should go to jail. So it's this is one of those instances where there's, like, nine minutes left in the episode. I know. And they decide to, like, lay a bombshell on us at the very end yeah. to, like, re-spark our anxiety as we're <laughs> on, like, the letdown. So the neighbors claim that there was a suspicious truck yeah. parked at Jack. Jackie's house the afternoon she went missing. Did anyone want to mention that like 20 to 25 minutes ago? (laughs) And also neighbor Richard was like, yeah, I saw the truck. Do you want to talk about it? They're like, no, it's fine. Anyway, back to that voice texting. Let's do some more of those. So Ross Emerson is really forthcoming with all of these terrible and heinous crimes he's done, including but not limited to murder. Like seven rapes and these two murders. He's like, you didn't even get me for that other murder, but let me tell you about it. But he adamantly denies having anything to do with Jackie's murder. So Lieutenant Slow Talker, Lieutenant Reeves. (laughs) I watched on 1.25. I didn't have that problem. No, I know. So I need to learn a lesson. So he tries to bond with Emerson, which I get. You want people to feel safe and secure and to, like, you know, make them tell you more. Yeah. And he learns that he's Buddhist. And I'm sure the Buddhists do not claim this man. Yeah. The Buddhists are like, the main main practices of Buddhism are, like, tranquility, mindfulness, and letting things go, like, not harping on the past. Yeah. So the main thing I learned in this episode is that I'm not Buddhist. <laughs> That's... So this Emerson guy takes his own life in jail. If he knew anything more, his secrets died with him. And that's it. Like, there's no answers. Do you have any updates? This case is still open. It's slightly a cold case. There is no one actually actively investigating this case. But yeah, I mean, <sighs> poor Jackie. And I don't know. Is Archie sus? Like, what do we think? I don't know. I don't know if I think that he did it. I, I don't know. I So I I don't know. I don't know. Say something funny, girl. Do you think roommate Joffrey has a British accent? <laughs> I think between the two of them, they got a cockatoo. <laughs> cockatoo! Bow. <Any> cockatoo! <laughs> bow, 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 bow. You guys, don't forget we're doing a live show in Nashville. Girl, it's our first show on the road. We are in the process of planning a whole tour right now. More details to follow. I'm going to get TSA pre-check because Patrick says he's not traveling with me without TSA pre-check. TSA pre-check is life. If any, Actually, none of you get it. Just leave it for Ellen and me. <laughs> <laughs> The show in Nashville is on August 4th. Go to our website. Click the CS Live link for all the details. Come. It, it's a limited venue. I know it's not that big. There's only like 200 tickets or whatever. Especially if you're coming to Podcast Movement, get your ticket for that night. It's not part of Podcast Movement, but we're doing it in Nashville because there's a podcast convention in town. So we thought that would be fun. All right. And we'd love to interact with you on our socials. You can find us on our Facebook group at the Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. And on Instagram at the Disappeared Pod. You can follow Patrick at Patrick Hines underscore and me at Ellen Marsh. And if you feel like being generous, please give us a five-star review and tell everyone why you love us on iTunes. And if you don't, just don't, don't do that. But wait, before we go, join the Patreon, you guys. Three full bonus episodes every month. There's like 15 or 20 to download and binge right the second. Our true crime trivia. You get to be in our best friend circle on Instagram, which is actually very fun and funny. And we have some merch dropping very soon, and you will get first crack at that merch. And I will tell you, we have been working long and hard to make designs for you, to make comfy, great, affordable clothes. I can't wait for you guys to see it. <laughs> All right, we love you. Love you. Bye. All right, you guys, disappeared season <laughs> Disappeared season five. <laughs> Go. Um, and one of Joe's, and then we learned that one of, so at the same time, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched you work through that, sweetheart. <laughs> in live and in real time. You start over. You think, get a full, complete okay. thought with some nouns right. and verbs and prepositions. So as, what's the guy's name? You know, since we've started this podcast, I've actually been meaning to give someone my passwords. Don't give it to me. No. Because I would <laughs> never sober be like, oh, I, I would be honored. Then I'd have three drinks. I'd be like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. You know no. who's going to love this? The besties. No, literally, I'm put all I, that would, shit on I would put it on Instagram <laughs> yeah. before I gave it to you. It goes like everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Then my ex-boyfriend. Uh-huh. Then you. You guys, you guys, if you oh, join the page. Did you just snort? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It's been a long week. <laughs> 